October is the Cybersecurity Month here at SAP, which is why Chief Trust Officer Elena Kwachko is joining me today to share the importance of staying ahead in the security curve and how companies can build a culture of trust with their customers. The Chief Trust Office team spans four continents, enabling secure digital transformation of clients across global cloud products. Prior to this, Elena served as Senior Vice President and Technology Executive at Bank of America. Previously to that, she worked as a Divisional Chief Information Officer at Barclays Bank. Her focus was on delivering the highest degree of privacy and security of customers and employees globally. Elena also served as an Affiliate Fellow at Harvard Law School and worked at the World Bank headquarters in Washington, D.C. Her published work appeared in Forbes, Harvard Business Review, featured in the Wall Street Journal, the White House Cybersecurity Report, the New York Times, and multiple industry media. She has invented patent-pending technologies in cybersecurity, privacy, and secure financial technologies. And with 30-plus pending patents, she was named a top inventor at Bank of America. Throughout her career, she has been a strong advocate in national cybersecurity and technology diversity programs and a lecturer and speaker at national and international universities. Elena is a member of the Board of Directors of Refugees International and a patron of Carnegie Hall in New York. And as always, I'm your host, Akshimola, and you're listening to SAP Experts Podcast. Welcome, Elena, to the SAP Experts Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Akshay. So, Elena, also, the timing could not have been more perfect for this episode because here at SAP, I hear that we are celebrating October as a cybersecurity month, and you also recently got recognized by Fortune magazine. So, congratulations on that. Thank you so much. Thank you. So on that note of being recognized as Fortune Magazine's 40 Under 40, the article uh, mentioned right up the top that your purview includes working with your peers to devise controls that ward off cyber attacks and building trust with consumers. Building trust. That, those words really jumped out to me because we live in a world where cloud applications and volumes of data being at our fingertips those things are no longer the next big things. Those things are quite common, actually. They're pretty much the norm. And those things are the norm. And another thing which is the norm are data breaches. We hear about them time and again. So in such a world that we live in, how does one go about building a culture of trust? And how do we win our customers' trust? Well, building the culture of trust is exactly why we built the Chief Trust Office. Uh, for businesses such as software, cloud computing, trust is the foundational way of doing business. It is a business value. It is the expectations that the commitments will be kept. And the way we implement trust is really about information and transparency. So as a leading software company, we need to reassure our customers that we have a security strategy and controls in place that protect their data and their processes. As you pointed out, actually, they are trusting us with their data and their 
their sensitive data, customer data. And it's our responsibility and the expectation to make sure that we secure that sensitive information. We keep our customers informed about how we do that. And the focus of our organization, the chief trust office, is to assure the stakeholders that we have the right set of processes, people, and technologies in place to protect their core and critical workflows. Absolutely. Processes, people, and technologies. All of those things are very important in creating that culture of trust. All of these things do harmonize and work together. And on that note, I was looking at your LinkedIn, and one of the things that really stood out to me is the plethora of your experience that you have in the banking industry. And within SAP, coming from the Pre-Sales Academy, one of the first things that we learned is that how our customers, they come from over 26 industries, including banking. So what similarities do you find between finance, banking, and high-tech software companies like SAP? And furthermore, what would you say are the general best practices that you developed during your security career within the banking industries that you have carried over that can be applied generally to the other industries as well? That's an interesting question. Uh, Well, let's look at the similarities first and then at the differences. I think like technology, the banking industry handles very sensitive information. Uh, Companies from all kinds of industries want to protect both their organizational data, internal data, and their customers' data. Um, I think also both banking and technology industries are increasingly leveraging software as a service model in different uh, ways and applications to develop their products, services, and projects. And actually, we're competing for some of the same talent because our industries require some of the most sophisticated skill sets. And this is what uh, we're trying to attract to to work in, in, in our field. Uh, now, the way in which they differ are probably more closely related in, uh, to how the industries grow and, and how they're operating. Um, the banking industry has... Uh, it, historically was prioritizing um, secure growth, right? They were prioritizing um, uh, over the last decade, right? They were prioritizing growth in the right way. And this is reflected in many of the uh, mission statements of the organizations. Technology industry was prioritizing hyper growth to a large extent. But now, of course, I think those paths, they now converge and the, the landscape is changing because, because both industries actually have to meet regulatory requirements regarding data privacy and multiple other controls. Um, so there, so the path that we're on right now, I would say is, is, is quite similar when it comes to security. Um, in technology, industry, what I'm noticing is that innovation drives a lot of the decisions and uh, experimenting is a lot more acceptable. I think customers would agree with me that banking is probably not the industry where a lot of experimentations and failures are, are, are welcome, right? That's the Absolutely. Where- I would not want my money to be experimented with. <laughs> Right. That's the industry where customers go to for stability. Uh, whereas in technology, we're also always pushing the boundaries of what is possible. It's very fast paced. Um, and I think that, um, you know, both of our 
industries are changing and evolving probably at a different pace, but it's all, you know, very exciting in terms of how we innovate and how we use data in, in, in new ways that will allow uh, our customers to see more of the benefits and that will allow our industries to grow in, in, into new dimensions and in new ways. And speaking of those different industries and different disciplines, Elena, one of the things I'm really passionate about is marketing. And I was thinking about, you know, cybersecurity and I was thinking about what my interest is within marketing and a lot of things that I do, the way I approach social media, search engine optimization, it is very reactive that, okay, the algorithm seems to like this. So I will do more of this. Uh, They seem to like videos. I'll create more of that, more of media, I'll use more of that. However, when I think of cybersecurity, one cannot be that reactive. One has to be more um, forecasting that, okay, what could be happening? In fact, even when I was reading through the honor that you got from Fortune magazine, I think it was the very, very first line which said, Elena Kwachko isn't just waiting for the attack. She is on the attack. So while those best practices, which are tried and tested, they're helpful, as far as global enterprise security is concerned, Like I said, one cannot be reactive. One should be able to anticipate the attack. Hence, what kind of strategy should a global security organization have in place which best prepares them to anticipate and prepare in advance for the attacks? Absolutely. I think you're right, actually. A proactive approach is the organization's best bet to protect themselves against attacks. Um, I like to think that hindsight is 2020, uh, but foresight is unlimited. And there are quite mm. a few steps and basic uh, preventative measures and methods that organizations can take. I would recommend first understanding what data you have, which means understanding how sensitive it is, where the data flows, who in the organization and outside of the organization has access to it, if any backups exist, is it encrypted? And once you understand, in addition to data, your IT infrastructure, you can also start implementing controls. You can access, uh, you can configure your access management and follow other best practices. Uh, One of the most popular frameworks in our industry is developed by the National Institute of Standards and Technology. Uh, NIST has created a cybersecurity framework, which organizations can use as a foundation for their own cybersecurity strategy. That's a very helpful tool to to prepare for an attack. Um, Another piece of advice that I would give businesses, and this is something that I I learned uh, from one of the most prominent companies in the industry, is that the best way not to get hacked is to hack yourself. so what they're also alluding to and which what I agree with is that you have to test your own controls so you know where vulnerabilities are before someone else does and before someone else exploits them. So don't be surprised, be prepared. Don't be surprised, be prepared. Wow. Yeah, it, exactly. Be prepared. It's it's in that in that same uh on that same note, it's essential for companies to invest uh in, in cybersecurity. Of course, in the form of processes that you mentioned before, but also in the form of technology and talent. Um, for example, you know, if we just look at a, a macro scale 
the most innovative countries, right? I think Switzerland was recognized as one of the most innovative countries in the world. And they've been focusing on investment in their technology for the longest time. And it has paid off immensely for a country of that size. And of course, we're trying to learn uh, from a lot of the best practices, you know, from macro scale, micro scale. Um, and we have also in the trust office, SAP have emphasized the importance of an and investing and developing new talent. Um, we try to achieve this in investment, of course, in just um, um, you know acquiring the talent, retaining them, but also in security trainings for our current employees, uh, partnering with colleges and universities to develop to develop programs for early talent through internships, co-op opportunities, uh, working students opportunities in our European locations. Uh, in my opinion, people is the most important element, and it's really the foundation of a strong cybersecurity strategy, and it's a way how a lot of companies can be very proactive in a strong way. Wow. And uh, Elena, my next question, actually, I was thinking of saving it for the last, but you said people are the most important aspect of a successful cybersecurity strategy. And that got me thinking that certainly there are opportunities for underrepresented groups and women to play a role in solving some of the missing gaps in the field, right? We would like to have more perhaps diversity that the right talent in the right places uh, occupying uh, the right roles. So what can organizations do to fill the gap in the workforce? And what would you suggest individuals do to invest in their career path to enter the world of trust and security? If somebody is listening to us today and they're like, I want to grow up and become like Elena Kwachko, what would you, what, what would be your advice to them? Absolutely. Well, something we have uh, been investing in quite heavily over the last year is just developing new partnerships with colleges and universities across the U.S. to identify early talent, to identify new talent. Our latest partnership is with Columbia University, and we're preparing uh, new partnerships that we're going to be announcing soon. Uh, we're reaching out to colleges and universities that serve underrepresented students, for instance, historically Black colleges or universities where a uh, population of minority students is higher. Um, I think organizations need to focus on the skills that are needed for certain jobs and reach out to candidates that might not have necessarily the exact background that you might be looking for, but they have the right skills and they have the right potential. Uh, you know, we have employees from a variety of backgrounds working within uh, global security organizations in the trust office. Um, you know, and they, they come from a variety of backgrounds and they do an excellent job uh, because we believe in the importance of training. We believe in the importance of uh, retaining employees and training employee and new employee on security essentials would not be a problem for us as long as they have the potential and, and the right foundational skills. Um, it's also an opportunity for individuals to explore a new career path, um, even if they don't have um, all of their technical skills and requirements at the moment. Um, so for instance, candidates, if they want to break into the industry, uh, they can take um, a free course on security essentials or try, uh, start to educate themselves on security basics and look for positions that match with their previous background the newly learned skills and the potential that they can offer uh, to the organization. The appetite for new talent is so high uh, right now in our industry that we think that um, all of us have, uh, you know, can have a fulfilling and, and a challenging, uh, a fulfilling career filled with interesting challenges. Absolutely, absolutely. When you were describing that, you know, this image was forming in my mind. Uh, a few years ago, I read this book, Good to Great by Jim Collins, and he said to have 
uh, a successful organization, get the right people on the right seats in the bus and then keep them on the bus. That could look like providing the right training, the right kind of challenges and the right kind of motivation. So I loved hearing that, getting the right talent. And then, of course, training can be provided to help them be even more successful in their roles. And Elena, you also mentioned that Switzerland was recognized as one of the most innovative countries in the world. And so speaking of global security, right, and SAP is a global company, different regions have different standards when it comes to security and their privacy requirements. So what would be your advice towards juggling these regional differences? For example, Europe has GDPR. So what would be your advice around that? Indeed, we are seeing governments and regulatory bodies try to keep up with the technology standards, evolution of technology, and establish new laws and frameworks and regulations that can hold regulations um, accountable, that can uh, incentivize um, new uh, ways for ensuring privacy of citizen-sensitive information. At SAP, we respect privacy and place it at the core of our innovation, at the core of the way we develop and deliver products. We definitely acknowledge that privacy is crucial for our customers and they treat uh, privacy and they treat data privacy with the same level of importance when when it comes to handling the data on their side. Um, The reality is that the regulations are no longer a hindrance for innovation. And this was a stereotype that we've seen for a long time, Mm. but it's actually a standard and it's a competitive advantage. It's a competitive advantage if companies can meet and, and, even, you know, provide stronger controls than the regulations require. So in the early days of privacy regulations, for instance, uh, privacy policies um, and, and, you know, a lot of the requirements were convoluted. They were not easy to understand. And now we're seeing that companies are really taking time to understand, to meet. And when it comes to customers, to really explain to them and be transparent about their privacy policies so the public can understand. Um, there is an increasing emphasis on transparency, which all of this actually builds trust. Um, This is also a big effort for us in the chief trust office, making information and resources available for our customers. And you asked me for advice. I think the best advice that I can give about privacy uh, regulations is to get ahead of the game and apply Mm. them across your processes and across your organization. Um, All of those new regulations are a model that countries and um, organizations are now bound to follow now and in the future. So by staying ahead, by establishing those standards across your ecosystem uh, before it's a requirement or even after it's a mandatory requirement, that will save organizations time and money um, and, and just ensure that you can meet the customer's expectations and stay ahead of the curve. Staying ahead of the curve, that provides the perfect segue for my next questions, Elena, because you are an inventor of patent pending and patented technologies, including an information card silent portion alarm. So can you share some examples of such technologies that you are the proudest of and what value can they bring to their users? Would you be willing to share a few examples with our audience today? Well, absolutely. Actually, I have about 30 uh, patents pending at this point. Uh, But I think some of my favorite uh, uh, examples and projects that we worked on with my colleagues um, are around privacy. So it's actually, uh, I I do believe that privacy is is at the core of how technology will be built. 
Uh, and like I mentioned before, it is becoming an essential piece in the creation of new technology. Uh, some of the other patents, um, they are more future-oriented. They're anticipating um, anticipating how technology will develop. And we looked at the potential of new technologies or such as, for instance, quantum computing. And I believe that in this field is also very exciting because it's looking at the future, uh, because it's looking at what we'll be able to accomplish with computers that are very powerful and that can handle processes beyond our current abilities and comprehension. Absolutely. What would be the future Uh, And speaking of future, I really wanted to switch gears into something fun. And I grew up watching spy movies, you know, which had cybersecurity themes. I saw Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible series. I saw Minority Report. And we all remember that green on black Matrix style code font just running as a rain from uh, the sky all over the place while these hackers and cybersecurity professionals were just typing furiously on a laptop. So (laughs) which movie would you say, in your opinion, actually came close to describing what actually goes on behind the scenes as far as cybersecurity is concerned? And it does not have to be Hollywood. Absolutely. Well, you know, actually, I think our work is a lot of hard work and cybersecurity may not necessarily be as glamorous as it often looks in the movies. <laughs> I think um, the concept themselves and the different names that we use may sound cool and fun, like you said, like, you know, ransomware or threat landscape, bad actors. Yeah. But- really a lot more complicated than just hacking into a a mainframe. Um, There are standards within countries, there are standards within industries that we must follow so that we don't get fined. There are alerts that we need to monitor. There are processes that we need to implement and improve. We need to train our employees, as we discussed, right, so that they can detect those bad actors. And movies don't often portray that side of the industry of our work. Um, However, I guess if I were to pick a movie... It would be a uh, 1995 movie called Hackers. The movie itself is a little bit cheesy, but some of the very real elements of what hackers could do are portrayed in that movie. They steal someone's identity. They disrupt traffic lights. They try to bring down a company that they see Mm. as unethical. Um, So regardless of whether their actions were uh, justified, um, bad actors do have the ability to disrupt uh, operations just um, just like the hackers in that movie did. And, and our job is to prevent this and make, make it much more difficult, make ourselves harder targets. Make ourselves harder targets. And yes, it's not always glamorous. So I think uh, the message for the audience would be that whenever from your workplace, you get that email, which is about the security fundamentals training, which teaches you about phishing attacks. I think we all should be more careful about those and pay more attention to them because like you said it's not all fun and games it's not all glamorous and we do build a stronger defense with the help of those what might seem to be mundane trainings but they're actually not they're actually very useful right Elena exactly so as you built out the trust office at SAP How do you integrate trust in product strategy within a large matrix organization like SAP? Now, we have hit on some of these points throughout our discussion. But yeah, if we were to summarize all of it, what would you say? I would say that we at SAP, we aim to embed security at every stage of product development. Um, What we focus on at the trust office is making sure that our developers have the training they need to develop secure code. 
Um, so that training and that focus is an important part of reaching our compliance goals, our security goals, improving our product security posture. Um, even the, tra- the developer baseline training that we have uh, focuses on some of the most essential training requirements for product development at our company. Uh, we are very focused on like, achieving our completion rates and goals. And at this point, we have trained nearly um, if I'm not mistaken, 29,000 employees on how to um, code securely. And, and this is something that we do on a regular basis. It's not just a one-time effort. Um, that Those type of training efforts are actually spearheaded by a secure development operations team w- within uh, the chief trust office. And uh, we're always looking at how can we innovate and make sure that we integrate that trust and security in the entire product strategy throughout its entire life cycle. Wonderful. Now, on the next uh, topic, it it brings up a lot of happy memories because back in my pre-sales academy days, I used to love playing with those little sensor tags. And when I started my pre-sales career within procurement, I used to love sharing how internet of things can be utilized within procurement, within supply chain. But on a larger picture, what opportunities would you say lie within the industrial internet of things and the potential of connecting products and services while building and maintaining that very trust. Yes, uh, thank you. Actually, IoT devices are very exciting and innovative, uh, but uh, their reputation isn't necessarily stellar when it comes to security. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, um, a cybersecurity company, Zscaler, uh, found that around 90% of data transactions on IoT devices uh, are not encrypted. Wow. Uh, another problem with these devices is that they're attached to the company's general networks. Uh, and if that network is breached, uh, the device and the data uh, may be compromised. And then in the other way around is that if that device is breached, it can also bring new vulnerabilities into the overall uh, company's network. So to build trust, there needs to be transparency about what data is stored, where it's stored, um, if it's used for any uh, purpose or any purposes. Um, and there is also smaller things that we can do to um, uh, you know, ensure that the security of those devices is strengthened, right? We, we just need to make sure that only allowed and only a, a specific set of users can delete uh, the information. To build trust, there needs to be transparency about what data is stored, where it's stored, and if it's used anywhere for any purpose. Absolutely. And Elena, what you just said, that is the perfect example of Dunning-Kruger effect. What to me might have seemed like a fun, innovative toy to illustrate a cool demo, that little device that could potentially be a cybersecurity uh not to say threat, but at least there are elements of that. And one has to have the transparency and one needs to know what exactly goes on behind the scenes. So knowledge is power and that is good to know. Which segues to my next question that why is a holistic approach to security imperative in our world today? Yes, so actually we know that it's important to invest in both people and processes uh, to have an effective cybersecurity model. And a, a holistic approach is the one that integrates those elements that will allow us to better detect, react, and recover from sophisticated security threats. Um, so this model, holistic model of security should be able to coordinate with different reporting lines, enable real-time sharing of information, uh, enable and create that corporate memory with the ability to recognize patterns across different channels, products, and entities, and lines of businesses. Um, and what I like to 
say is that a holistic approach to security will allow organizations to be able to respond to all threats, regardless mm-hmm. of their nature. So today we spoke about the holistic approach to security. We spoke about your patents. We spoke about the technology that doesn't even exist today. So speaking of the technology that doesn't even exist today, what areas do you think we should prioritize in cybersecurity today versus in five years? And what do we need to start investing in today to be prepared for that future? Because we don't know what we don't know. Exactly. So I think if we look back in, for instance, 2010 um, and um, uh, subsequent years, we started seeing high profile data breaches. We started seeing, for instance, Yahoo data breach that resulted in the theft of 3 billion users' personal data. And at that point, uh, companies had been you know, there are a lot of antivirus companies that were dominating the cybersecurity uh, industry. And um, after large and well-organized attacks started to becoming more common and more of a norm, like you said in the beginning, the, the general, and the general public was more aware of the cybercrime, there were uh, new challenges that demanded more innovative and creative solutions. So today, for instance, we're looking at security not as something supplemental, uh, but as part of the overall structure of an organization. Uh, even if we look back at last year, the pandemic year has shown to us how vulnerable the supply chain is, how vulnerable healthcare institutions are, how vulnerable a public sector is. And we're a lot more conscious of the damage that bad actors can have on our daily lives. I think um, a lot of the users are also, and the companies are understanding that investing in technology, people and processes is really the best way to defend themselves against an attack. And I'm very hopeful that we'll find a way to make IoT devices also more secure in the future um, and that major data breaches will hopefully become a thing of the past. Absolutely. I'm super excited when IOTs are even more secure and the fact that we will continue to invest in people, our processes, as well as technology. So on that note, Elena, I really appreciate you speaking to me today. And is there something that we did not cover today that you would like to share with our audience? Also, where can our audience follow you and know more about the wonderful work you do at SAP? Well, thank you for that, actually. If you'd like to know and follow what we do at SAP in the trust office, uh, for those of you who are SAP customers, we're, we're regularly publishing new information uh, through the SAP Trust Center. So I do encourage you to check out um, that, um, that resource. It has a lot of helpful information um, and uh, new features are constantly highlighted there. Uh, for me personally, um, definitely, you know, you're welcome to connect with me on, through the social media channels. And, and stay in touch. Um, and overall, to our audience, I would, I would just say that um, cybersecurity is a very exciting field that's changing on a regular basis. So, you know, it's a great career choice, even, even though it may not always be an obvious career choice within the uh, tech industry. So we have a lot of different positions open, there are a variety of skills that we're hiring for. And I would just encourage our listeners and users to explore those new career paths, new opportunities. And if the uh, future of software and the cloud computing is something that they're excited about uh, definitely check out our open positions and reach for a conversation wonderful y'all you heard it here on sap experts podcast if you would want a cool career within cybersecurity and the fact that elena 
and Tim McKnight could be your bosses, definitely go look at the open job opportunities. And once again, thank you so much for joining me today.